You're listening to Alpha Health and Wellness Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Haley Schaff, where I'm here to empower you to become the alpha of your health. Hello, you guys. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I wanted to dive into a conversation that I had a few weeks ago on my social media, but I just think is really important to address. And that is the fact that in our society, we oftentimes are prescribed medication to clear our acne. And a lot of times we aren't, you know, fully informed potentially on what the medication is doing, how it works, etc. And specifically, I want to really dive into spironolactone. And I will touch a little bit on birth control for acne and Accutane and all of those different types of things. Antibiotics, obviously, um, are, are very heavily prescribed. And one thing I will say is when people struggle with acne, it is something that feels debilitating. And the fact that you are constantly advertising your problem. You know, our face is something that everybody sees. And yes, we can cover certain things up and we, you know, can wear makeup and all that kind of stuff, but it still is there. And so when we wash the makeup off, we look in the mirror and we see that it's there. And trust me, I know exactly what people are feeling because I have, have struggled with acne in the past. And I've, I've talked about this a lot. It, it was not necessarily the acne that was full fl- full face, like full on breakouts all the time. But I mean, there were points, especially when I was in undergrad in college, that I was having like such cystic breakouts that you couldn't really see them, but it was so incredibly inflamed underneath the skin that if it was close enough to my lip, it would literally make my lips swell. Like that's how much swelling there was. And it would just be like this huge cyst. And so like I would, my face wouldn't be covered, but okay, I'm so embarrassed. I'm not going to the dining hall to eat breakfast because I just woke up and my lip is swelled and I'm panicking. I'm trying to figure out what the heck is going on. And I have not had a breakout that bad in a really long time. But my only answer when I went to the dermatologist was, okay, let's try oral antibiotics. Let's try these really harsh topicals. Let's try birth control. And birth control was the last one. And birth control worked for me for a second. But actually, no, it didn't. The first one did not work at all for my acne. It flared it and made it worse. And they changed it. And it was so horrible because at the time, I didn't even know the forms of birth control that I was on. I couldn't tell you the generic name. I couldn't tell you. I, I had no idea what I was even on. And so one, I think that that's a problem is if you're going on something we want to be well-versed as to what it is, right? Especially for acne. Like if you come to the decision that, you know what, this medication is right for me, I 100% support you and your right to informed consent and for you to make the ability to pick what's right for you. I think that's really important. But I think at the end of the day, we have to be understanding why these things are here in the first place. And so specifically, I wanted to address spironolactone because that's a really, really, really common acne drug. But did you know, it actually was FDA approved. It's a blood pressure medication because of the mechanism of how it processes potassium through the kidneys. And so it originally, spironolactone was brought onto the market as a blood pressure medication. And then it was off-labeled use 
to acne. So I think that's really interesting, the fact. I mean, and that, that there's a lot of different drugs that are like that where it was brought on the market for one thing and it actually has a really great use in other things. That's fine. Um, you know, that, I'm not against that, but I'm just saying that's that's always interesting when you kind of learn what the other things are so that you can maybe correlate certain things together and understand how it works a little bit better. But anyways, I digress. So essentially the mechanisms of how spironolactone helps support acne is it is a sex hormone binding globulin. And so when we have extra androgens, the sex hormone binding globulins help to kind of attach to these hormones, take them out of circulation. And so that we don't have these flare breakups or breakouts, not, hopefully not breakouts to breakups too, but we don't have these flare up breakouts that are typically if, if spironolactone works for you, or if your acne is hormonal driven, which a lot of times it is, um, a lot of times testosterone is driving it. So how can you tell if testosterone might be driving your hormonal acne? Um, if it's on your chin, jawline, neck area, that's typically that really nice area where we tend to find those breakouts. Second thing, um, you might have oily hair, you might have oily skin. You don't have to have oily skin to have hormonal breakouts. I did not. And I know many other women don't as well, but oiliness is a really common one because testosterone is going to increase sebum. So testosterone is a really great hormone because it's what makes us have healthy muscle tissue. It's what makes us have libido. It's what makes us be able to lift weights. And it's really protective against your bones. And it really is in a good balance. It can be in a good balance with estrogen and progesterone, more of our female sex hormones. And testosterone is usually thought of like more of a male sex hormone, which they have more of abundance of it. But as females, we want to have a healthy balance. Um, so I'm not saying no testosterone because that can be something that we get into problems with after being on spironolactone for a long time is we, it's essentially like being on, it can be like being on a hormonal replacement, like similar to like birth control where like you go off and you have these rebound effects, um, because you know, your body was used to this issue being taken care of for so long that now it can be struggling with something like that. So that's just also something to take into account. Um, so kind of talking about how it works, it's a sex hormone binding globulin and because it binds these extra testosterone. Okay. That's great. So if you see an improvement in acne with going on something like spironolactone, that can be a really good tool to know, okay, I have a really sound idea of what potentially can be causing my acne. And it sounds like it's very testosterone driven, but my little clinician brain over here, why are we having high testosterone in the first place? Why is testosterone imbalanced? Why is there excess androgens around that can be causing these symptoms? Because like, putting, going on a sex hormone binding globulin is just like a band-aid. Um, so why is your testosterone high is probably the most important question to ask. Well, one of the biggest reasons that testosterone can be high is due to the fact of insulin and blood sugar dysregulation. And so you could be the fittest, most jacked athlete in the world, and you can still have blood sugar dysregulation. You want to know why? Because and because I was there, I had, I had six pack abs pretty much all year round. I was jacked. You'd look at me and be like, that person totally works out. That person can eat whatever they want. They're healthy. I had blood sugar dysregulation. I, if I didn't eat for two to three hours, I'd be hypoglycemic. I would be shaking. I remember I was in the middle of a workout one time and I just like felt nauseous. I immediately started sweating because my blood sugar dropped super drastically. And I did not have any control over my blood sugar because I needed to eat every two hours to constantly give my body 
carbohydrates to run off of, which is fine. Our carbohydrates are a really great fuel for the body, but ideally we want to be metabolically flexible so that we do not primarily, like we can run off of either fuel source, fat or carb. And for me, I was struggling with that. And no wonder I struggled with the cystic acne. And especially during this time that I'm remembering in my mind, kind of going through all these things, this is kind of when I was really transitioning off of birth control, which when you transition off of birth control, you can have like, uh, I'd say three to six months out, like an androgen rebound, which is where your testosterone just goes crazy. And it doesn't have to. Um, In my case, I was kind of my own experiment. And now I help hundreds of thousands of women mitigate post-birth control effects, but, um, so like that, like I said, that three to six month period post pill, it was really common to get kind of that androgen rebound because your hormones had been suppressed for however long you're on birth control because your body is just, your body's not communicating between your brain and your ovaries. So your ovaries make progesterone, estrogen, testosterone, it makes all of our sex hormones. And so when we're shutting that communication off, we're really minimizing the amount of hormones that we can get, which I think that's also why women lose their libido and their sex drive while they're on the pill, which that's a very common cause. You can look that up uh, if you don't believe me, but if you have been on the pill, you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, so, so why is testosterone high in the first place? Well, insulin dysregulation is one of the most common things. And so 88% of our population is not metabolically healthy. That does not mean, I mean, there is a vast majority of our population that is overweight and obese. That is for sure. And obese, overweight and obesity is a much larger driver of metabolic dysregulation. However, there are some people who can be more overweight, but have better blood sugar control. So it is, it doesn't, it's not like a one, it doesn't mean just because you're thin, you have great blood sugar control or just because you're overweight, you have poor, you, it goes both ways. I'm obviously always advocating to be the healthiest you can possibly be, whatever that looks like for you. Um, I'm not a fan. I'm not, I'm obviously not promoting people to be overweight and obese, but everybody health looks a little bit different on everybody. So you don't need to be, you know, rail thin to, to be healthy and have a good blood sugar control. Cause a lot of people don't, and especially because I don't know what, for whatever reason, but I work with a lot of people in the bodybuilding community, which I love because those are some of like the most highly motivated people ever. And I think that I'm attracting a lot of those people is because they do not want to compete and screw up their hormones. They don't want to compete and like then have to completely start over from square one again. And they want to hopefully be able to do it in a good way. And whether I've worked with quite a few bodybuilders who have chosen not to compete anymore, but then I'm also working with some who were really trying to compete in like the most holistic way possible. And I think that's really cool. And so one of the things that we work on a lot is is balanced meals, balanced blood sugar. Um, anyways, I digress. So to, so insulin dysregulation is a, is a huge cause. And the reason is because higher insulin, higher blood sugar causes higher testosterone, which is causing higher sebum production in the skin. High, uh, more sebum production can also create oily hair, but also it can like it can create hair loss on your hair, but hair growth in other places, like on your chin, lip, um, stomach, uh, nipple area. So if you experience, especially like darkening hair there, that definitely can be like a testosterone thing. And so again, it's not testosterone's problem necessarily. It's more so the fact that it's not being controlled 
because the hormones above it aren't working. So if you've seen, if you've taken my online hormone course, you know that I have kind of that hormone hierarchy, right? There's hormones at the top that, that essentially affect how the rest of our hormones work. And so I put insulin and cortisol at the top because if those two top dogs are out of function, it's affecting everything else. It's affecting your thyroid. It's affecting your progesterone, estrogen, testosterone, all of your other hormones. So insulin and cortisol need to be highly regulated. And those two together also really correlate with each other because high cortisol creates high insulin. High insulin creates high cortisol. High stress obviously is creating high blood sugar. Um, and also what's interesting is high cortisol creates your ovaries to produce more testosterone. So there is even like that cortisol testosterone through the ovary production connection, which is really fascinating. So all of this to be said, blood sugar regulation is uh, really freaking important. And it's not just important for people who are pre-diabetic or diabetic. It's not just important for people who are overweight. It's important for all of us because like I said, 88% of the population is not metabolically healthy. And I think of all the women in my clinical practice who struggle with acne, those are just like subclinical signs that your metabolism isn't working optimally. It's not a coincidence that for me, now that I've done so much healing, that if I have something that raises my blood sugar a little bit more, if I indulge in, like I'm thinking during Christmas time, Christmas time, you know, my dad made homemade cinnamon rolls. He made them the best that he possibly could. And then we went to Christmas dinner, had some Italian cookies. And it is not a coincidence that during the luteal phase of my cycle, which is where I was in, I'm already more insulin resistant. I'm having things that I don't typically have. I'm trying my hardest to balance my blood sugar and do all like the biohacks, but it's not a coincidence that that's why I struggled after that with one of the worst breakouts that I've had in a while, cystic wise. Um, it was like two cystic little pimples and I've been able to really bring it down a lot and like you can barely minimize the scarring now, but it was definitely very discouraging going through that, but I know, I know what my triggers are now. And so that's kind of what I want you to find throughout all of this is, okay, these medications can be okay, but what are the risks? What are the benefits? And why are we going on them? So spironolactone works because of binding testosterone. Okay, well, we can balance out testosterone levels easily with becoming more metabolically flexible, becoming more metabolically adaptive, fat adaptive, learning how to balance your blood sugar more. And there are a lot of different ways that we can do this. One of the best ways is to manage your blood sugar. Um, right now, I, me and my, mem my membership and I, me and my membership, my membership and I, we are wearing continuous glucose monitors. We are wearing the NutriSense brand. I have a discount with them. I can put it in the show notes. It's just code Dr. Haley for um, a discount off of whatever program you choose. But I really like this because it gives you a continuous stream of what your blood sugar is doing. So if you eat a meal, you can see, okay, an hour after your meal, where's your level at? How big did it spike you? So you can play around and really make your diet the most bioavailable to you. So when I wore this last year, I realized parsnip spiked me super high in terms of carbs. I did pretty much okay with everything else that I tested, but st stress also f was horrible. Like I was flying one day and my stress was just super high all day because of flying. And then I was... Oh, I was super stressed because I was driving in like a really horrible snowstorm and like my blood sugar was elevated all day until I was able to meditate. And so you really are able to see like how it just goes far, so much further beyond than just what's at the end of your fork, how stressful your life is, how, what, in what order you eat, when you eat, what your state of mind is when you're eating. Like you can really make things like it is truly, I think one of the best biohacks. And I think that we're, 
it, it really makes me sad that to get a script for one of these, you have to be diabetic. Um, like I've even had people who are diabetic not get a script from their doctor, which is mind blowing. So that's why I like NutriSense because they'll write, they'll write a script for you and you don't need to be diabetic obviously to do it. I, I recommend that everybody do it so that hopefully we live in a world more of more of more prevention. And especially in the case of acne, if you do struggle with acne, it's really important to understand what your potential triggers might be and how we can balance your blood sugar. I had a patient in the office last week and she definitely struggled with acne, super thin, like like thin, but she were and she works out and all of that kind of stuff. So I would never look at her and think you know, before I learned all this stuff, I would never think that people like her would have struggled or obviously that was me. So I knew that I struggled, but, and we really worked on balancing her meals a lot more meal, focusing a little bit on meal timing, um, when she should eat certain foods and testing out how certain foods feel. And within just a few days, she was not feeling nauseous first thing in the morning, which that's a huge sign of blood sugar dysregulation. She wasn't feeling like she couldn't go into a workout if she hadn't eaten at the specific time because everything had to be essentially planned around her meals because of how thrown off her system would be. So I'm really excited to see how it pans out for her acne. But with everybody else that I work with on this, it's really important to to balance that blood sugar level because of just its effect on uh, inflammation and let alone testosterone, which that's what spironolactone is helping with. So wearing a continuous glucose monitor is amazing. Um, I think that's one of the coolest tools. You always can just get a glucometer. Glucometers are super inexpensive. You can get them at the drugstore. You can get them at Amazon. You know, the only downside is to get really, really great data. You're pricking your finger all the time. But at the same time, you still can get it and measure your fasted level, measure what you know, an hour after you eat, measure, you know, two to three hours after a meal so that you can ensure that it comes back down to baseline. And you can just see how certain things work with you. It's not like you have to be pricking all day. You can kind of just use it strategically, but that's always a good, easy, cheaper alternative as well. And then, you know, other things that we've talked about, I did a podcast with Dr. Minnie Pels all about intermittent fasting and when women should do it um, throughout their cycle and just the benefits in general. And so incorporating even 12 to 13 hours to start is one of the best ways. And that I think was the best tool for me to become more metabolically adapted. As I started just having like 12 to 13 hours from, I would, we would eat dinner. I would not eat a nighttime snack. I would just eat like, you know, super filling two to three, super, super, super nutrient dense meals, probably more so three. And then no snacks. And I would fast for 12 to 13 hours. And I really even just then started seeing an improvement in my acne. Not overnight, because this is not magic pill, right? Like spironolactone, you're probably going to start noticing benefits right away. But these lifestyle things, they take time. But I did start noticing a difference. You know, probably within like a week, you know, I didn't, I wasn't as hungry. I wasn't, I didn't have as many cravings. I didn't feel, I felt more like stable and energy. And so all of those things definitely, definitely pay off. So that's free, cheap, and easy. And you can refer to the podcast I did with Dr. Mindy Pels to know like if you're cycling female, when you can do more and when you shouldn't do more, when you should, sometimes less is more. And so we talk about all of that, especially as it pertains to female hormones. Like I said, not snacking. That's one of probably the best ways to just mitigate your blood sugar in between your meals is not snacking. So having more nutrient dense filling meals and trying to go, you know, three, four hours in between your meals maybe even five, three, four, five hours in between your meals, depending on how many meals you have per day. So what are some ways that naturally we can help to lower testosterone or balance testosterone? So 
In terms of food and nutrition wise, flax seeds are an amazing natural sex hormone binding globulin because they help to bind extra hormones, even like nasty estrogen levels it can bind to. So that's why flax seed can be really uh, beneficial for cancer. Flaxseed is very like estrogen nourishing, like it can help build up your endometrial lining and like help build estrogen levels. But at the same time, because of its fiber effects of insoluble and soluble fiber, it helps bind bad estrogens. It helps bind to excess androgens and hormones and get them out of the system. So for regulating digestion, it's great, which that's super key for acne. Um, but it's also really good just for hormone balance in general. And so I always recommend getting like the whole flaxseed, grinding it up, having, keeping like five to seven days worth in the fridge, and then just repeating that cycle. You can add a teaspoon or two to, you know, some grass-fed yogurt. You can add it to your smoothies. You can just mix it in water. You, there's so many different ways that you can incorporate it, but that's a really great whole food option, as is green tea. So green tea, there's a compound in there, EGCG, that um, is really, really one, it's anti-tumor. It's very anti-inflammatory. It's one of the most powerful antioxidants, but it's also really, really beneficial at binding excess androgens. And so the thing for green tea is you got to do a good amount. Like you have to do like two to three cups a day to get that therapeutic benefit, but you could do something like a matcha, which is like 10 cups of green tea in one. So I really like doing that. And I also think because I've really added that in more so for the anti-cancer effects, um, I have seen profound skin benefits from that as well. So that's a great whole food option. Spearmint is really good because spearmint helps to kind of just minimize like those more androgenic sides of testosterone. So that's always an option. Um, so those are some good like whole food kind of things to have in your tool belt. Um, and if you guys want to learn more about all of this stuff, I highly recommend getting in the online membership because you will get access to the metabolic makeover, which has all of this information and more. So if you really want to take that deep dive and have me by your side, I definitely recommend doing that, but I hope this gives you a good starting place. Um, okay. So let's talk about, um, quickly, just some risks, that might come with going on spironolactone. So for one, spironolactone was not approved for more than six months of use when it was approved. Um, so just think about that, especially if it's something that you think that you're gonna have to go on long-term. I know a lot of people are told that, or a lot of people who aren't told that are just petrified to come off because of how much it's helped their acne that they are worried now about that rebound. Um, if people take it while they're pregnant, um, there has been some studies showing that it can create feminization of a male fetus because of the fact that it's really minimizing androgens, um, that obviously that male fetus would, would want and need to be able to develop male characteristics. So that's just something to note, especially if you're like thinking about getting pregnant or you are pregnant, just to talk to your doctor about that potential side effect that is noted there. And just because of the fact that it does work with the kidneys to minimize uh, or to throw off potassium ratios because of the fact that it's a diuretic meant for people with hypertension, then, you know, it can throw off your mineral balances. And so like it, because it can create higher potassium in the body, you know, think about if you're eating potassium in your food. Um, potassium in our food can come through a lot of different things. Um, avocados are super high. I had someone on social media tell me that her doctor said, unless she's eating like 12 avocados a day, that it's fine. But, but is it like, 
I don't know. I'm, I'm just throwing out questions that we can be asking. And at the end of the day, if you're with your doctor and you feel like you were given the proper informed consent, you know exactly what this medication is doing. You know exactly what, why it's doing what it's doing. And that, okay, if I'm going to be on spironolactone, I also really want to make sure I'm managing my blood sugar and I want to make sure I'm doing all of these things, you know, then maybe that's the right decision for you. Or if, after learning this, you're like, wow, I didn't know any of this stuff. Maybe it's not the right answer for me. Because the problem that I have with these different things that we go on for acne, whether Accutane, spironolactone, birth control, when we're off, when we come off of it, that root cause is still there. If you go on Accutane, the, the damage that that's doing to your gut and your hormones can set people back. It can definitely be transformative to your skin. But if you're on Accutane, you got to be on birth control. And so sometimes that gives you a double whammy and you just think, is this worth it for me um, because of the amount of gut damage? And I've worked with a lot of people who are on acne and the gut damage that, that we're seeing even two to three years after being on, it's just worth noting, is that risk worth it? And trust me, I understand. Acne is not fun. I, I get it. And you sometimes we are just so desperate. I was so desperate. I was like jumping to get on birth control, but... I think if I knew what I knew now, I would have never went on birth control because of all of the obviously negative ramifications of that. However, however, I'm just saying we just want to make sure we're getting informed consent. So just make sure you're understanding what this is doing and make sure that you can get to the root of what's going on. But I hope that you guys found this helpful. I hope that this was maybe some new and helpful information to you. And if there's anything else I can do to be of support to you on your journey, you guys know that you can find me within my online membership, all my courses, protocols, everything is there. Um, we can work together one-on-one. -on -one. I work with a lot of people on their acne and, um, you know, I, I just want people to know that they have options. It's, oh, it's definitely a journey. It's definitely a journey, but we do have options.